Steve, let me ask you a personal question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a mother, Steve? I do indeed. Fantastic. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we all do, but I'm sure you're a good son and you love your mother, don't you, Steve? Uh, uh, the best. I'm like legendary. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I got a tip for you. You can really win Mother's Day. Win your mother over on Mother's Day. Cement your reputation as this really good son. Give your mom an Aura digital picture frame. Have you heard of these things, Steve? Yes, I have. They're loaded up with decades of photos. You can just like hook them up to the phone and then you get the photos running through it, kind of scrolling through it. You seen these things? Yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Yeah, and you can get everything uh, and pictures of your mom, pictures of whoever, your family, your brothers, all, all these things. Things. They're a wonderful item. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code word ChinwagPod at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This is Paul Giamatti speaking. And this is Stephen Asma. And this episode of Chinwag is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is indeed, Steve. Let me ask you a blunt question. Do you ever feel stuck, Steve? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you ever feel kind of stuck in the mud? Every day, my friend. Yeah. Every damn day. And then what happens is you get overwhelmed because you're kind of stuck, right? True. As I get older, and I am getting older, folks, I may not look it. You may <laughs> think, oh, he's like Dorian Gray. He's going backwards. Yeah, wow. Wow, he's, he's, he's going backwards. I am getting older, folks. It's hard to believe. The thing I notice is how important it is to maintain a balance. You know, I guess you'd call it work-life balance. I don't think I'm alone here, but therapies help me do this, this balance. It can help you find equilibrium. It can help you feel more empowered in the decisions you make, the boundaries and priorities you set. It's good in that way. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Sometimes that's hard, right, to find the right person. So this helps. You can change. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash chinwag today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash chinwag. Yes, here we are. We're back uh, here at the chinwag. Uh, continuing, Part two. Uh, yes, that's right. And this is a very, uh, this is a special episode because it is the second part of our conversation with Monsieur Stephen Colbert, uh, because we had so much he was amazing, yeah. to talk about. He was amazing. He was astonishing. What a smart fellow. Yeah, people, of course, know him very well, but uh, I think we get into some stuff that you may not be familiar with, you know? I know mm -hmm. he does interviews, but I think do. the chinwag took him to some territory that is That's novel. what we do, Steve. Yes. That's novel territory. It's all about all about it's all about crossing frontiers, Steve. <laughs> it's all about bringing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Isn't that what we do here? There's something you know? sort of earth-changing about the chin wag is what we're trying to say. It's I uh, kind of think there is. It's I a powerful. Think that, 
<laughs> yes, I think it they wear the lives. psychoactive. Yeah, yeah, we're the psychoactive drug of uh, of podcasts, <laughs> aren't we? Aren't we the one that really sort of like yeah changes your point of view? Uh, but before we get to more of uh, Stephen Colbert, we had some uh, exciting news, did we not, Steve? Yes, we did. Um, yes. on Apple Podcasts, we have hit the 500 review mark, which is Holy very cow. exciting and shows <laughs> that the the uh, Chinwag community is building, growing, growing <laughs> like like a snowball down a hill. <laughs> in various other metaphors, <laughs> exactly. Better so absolutely, yeah. That's a runaway train, Steve. Yes. It's a, yeah, absolutely. It's just a it's, fire, it's building, a conflagration, out exactly, of control. Exactly, it's a meteor. It's a meteor <laughs> just just streaking across the sky. A tsunami. A of, tsunami. Of oh my God! It really is. It's a crop, but it is. It's an occasion. Uh, yes. I'm told, and so we should be celebrating it, and that's fantastic. Thank you. We, we appreciate you, your support. We really do. And I've yeah. actually gone and looked occasionally at these reviews, and it's a wonderful thing. We get we get the five star reviews, but then it's funny. Every now and then, I'll look at it, Steve. If you notice this, you look at it, and somebody will go, "Will really give us a lot of praise. We'll just absolutely just praise us to the skies," and then we get two stars. Three stars. And I'm always confused. I'm like, what happened? Well, maybe they're nipping at the wine. They're uh, maybe a little drunk when they fill right. it out. Yes, I'm talking, their, their I'm talking to you, Jessica F-18. I'm looking who apparently a big Merlot Jessica fan. Jessica F-18. Come on, Jessica. gave us a glowing review and then like two stars. Right. Come on, Jessica. Come on, work it out for crying out loud, Jessica. We better Listen, not mention people's no. names because then other I people know. are going to be hitting one and two. Like, oh, they're going to mention. No, we need the five oh, right. stars, guys. Drag us Come down. on, no, help no. us out with the five it's, it's, stars. It's a wonderful please. thing, and God bless Jessica <laughs> F eighteen seriously for showing up at all and listening Indeed. to us blather like this. It's an amazing thing. You really are, and and please keep it coming. Just all the wonderful. Yeah, it's fun and ratings and stuff like that. It's really and comments. We, yeah, we love it. And and you know and 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 share the word of mouth. Is that yeah? Tell you your tell your friends, mouth? and you all know a handful of weirdos, and you know that that's our th that's our thing. <laughs> that's what we do here. So yes. bring them on that's home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but just leave us notes. Write us thoughts. Uh, write us thoughts. Any topics you want us to cover? Questions? Comments? Uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok. Believe it or not, we're on the yes. TikTok. Uh, threads, Twitter. Great. Yes. And then people throw out a lot of interesting stuff and we, we chase it down because that's also what we do here. We're investigative journalists. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Pulitzer in this God. for us at some point. No, absolutely. Oh, yes, you're absolutely right. There must be. You know what, Steve? There's at least a Peabody. At least there's a Peabody. There's at least a Peabody. You know what I mean? For two, yeah. Or any other thing that starts with a P. Any other award that starts with a P. Yeah, I think I smell Peabody, though. I really do. I smell, I smell Peabody. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, before we now, now that we're done patting ourselves on the back, are you ready for this? Let's move on. Let's I'm move ready. on because that's really what you're here for the meat, the nub, the crux of the whole thing. Let us move on to our enlightening and surprisingly philosophical chinwag with Mr. Stephen Colbert. Let's listen in. Stephen, I have an alarming bit of trivia for you. This is really, this is, yeah, this is kind of gross. So buckle up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this alarmed me. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat, Steve? Come on, that's disturbing. That's disturbing, isn't it? 
You can get the acne. It can get you the stuffy nose. It can bump up the allergies. It's awful. That's gross. It's gross. I had no idea. Well, Steve, Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and requires three times less laundry. I'm telling you, I, I got these sheets. I wake up and I feel a little bit clearer. I feel cleaner already, Steve. I feel clean as a whistle. It's, it's not a joke. And that's good. They make the perfect holiday gift. All your friends and family can sleep clean with Miracle. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? Go to trymiracle.com slash chinwag to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo chinwag at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't a satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash chinwag and use the code chinwag to claim your free three-piece towel set, Steve, and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash chinwag to treat yourself, a friend, or loved one this holiday season. There's a common topic on chinwag is that there's the rational... And then there's the irrational, but then there's this cool middle territory. And Jung called this the irrational, like he uses an A in front of it, which oh, means the absence of any of it. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It's like in this territory where you have to be open to the experience uh -huh. and you can't classify it. It doesn't fit. It's not a contradiction. It's not, you know, the law of excluded middle or whatever. It's this crazy territory in between. And that, that's where What's the I law think, of the excluded middle. Well, you can't have A and not A. You can't, it's in logic, it, you're, you're prevented from having the thing and its uh, contradiction, uh, and you can't have any gray area between them. But that's uh, logic. But I think that A and not A, A and not A for me is the heart of magical thinking. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And that magical thinking is very powerful with me. I agree. Yeah. And, and for me, there's this thing that I have come to think of as the tripwire of reality. Mm -hmm. And reality is a certain way, let's assume. But there's a desire for reality to be something else. Uh -huh. Now, nothing can be done to make, nothing can be done to make a tree, a, sequo a sequoia, a pencil. To make nothing it the other thing. Nothing can be done right, to right. do to that. To make it what it's not. Uh -huh. Make it what it's not. But it can be that other thing as long as you have no intention to do so. <laughs> as long as you're not trying. As long as, long as, as you're not trying. Yeah. Because if you try. Oh, that's interesting. The universe, which maintains its own tripwires, and the tripwires are everywhere, and they maintain the universe. But if you can not tell the universe that you're going to change something, and the way to not tell the universe that you're going to change something is to not tell yourself that you're going to change something. So you have to have the intention Amazing. and then no longer have the intention. Right. And then you mustn't ever question whether the intention still continues because you don't have it. In fact, you must forget That's amazing. that you ever had it. And then, and then it is possible the thing becomes something else. And, and it... 
What you're wait a minute. What you're describing, what you're describing is almost acting too. Is almost theater and acting as well. I can understand. It's actually the power. To me, that's what's so interesting. It's actually the opposite, Stephen, of what we've talked about about like somebody like Aleister Crowley, who is a magician, who is actually like altering reality through will. You're actually taking the will out of it. Well, that's religion versus magic. Exactly. That's religion is subservient to the Godhead. Yeah, magic is manipulation of the yes. Godhead. Yes. That's and, really cool. And what I'm saying is, is that there is something else. Yeah, that's okay. There's a third way. Oh, okay. Which is subservience to the Godhead. It go, It's something like this. My mother used to always pray and taught me to pray, and I still do this thing. An ambulance goes by, and she would stop, and she would say a prayer quietly. But I asked her what it was one day, and she said, I pray that that person is kept safe, but that God's will also be done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you how do you square <laughs> that's those amazing. two, buddy? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty great. Square yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm talking about without naming it. Fascinating. Doesn't that like get the mind? It it gets the mind focused in a really healthy way because even though you may not be rearranging the world through a prayer, you are focusing you, what you think is really important and your values and clarifying your mind in a way. Like if I see an accident, I, I have this mantra I learned when I was in Asia, which is, um, may the Buddha reduce the suffering of all sentient beings, especially that guy, you know, you, you, whatever you see. And it brings dig your it, mind Daddy-o. to the right place, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's my other mantra. I can dig it. <laughs> That's the other one, yeah. It reminds me of um, a line from Shadowlands, which I don't know if you ever saw that. That's about- Yeah, a long time C- ago. C.S. Oh, yeah. Lewis, Lewis, sure. Lewis. It was a play yeah. and then it was a, it was a movie. Um, and and um, Joy, which is his wife, the woman he he falls in love with through correspondence and then and then ends up marrying. When Joy is dying, she has cancer, I believe. He's praying. And one of his atheist professor friends at Oxford is saying, What are you doing? Do you think Why that's you actually gonna this? change anything? And he goes, I don't pray. This is Lewis says, I don't pray to change God. I I pray that God change me. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about the imagination as not just the place where like Walt Disney and Hayao Miyazaki do their thing, but rather it's how you transform the world. Like you use your imagination to, it, it's a force in the world. It can change Magical thinking works, I hate to say. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. It does. I hate to say. That's what's really crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it does. It's, it works and, it's, and it can be very destructive. Yep. Yeah, just like Let's any not for, magic. Forget. Yeah, right. It can be. I mean, is there any magic that doesn't come with a cautionary tale? Absolutely. Right. No, totally. Exactly. I have a, this game I used to play with myself that is bo- that that's related to the uh, both is and is not. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is a game I used to play with myself, and this was kind of related to all the science fiction that I read. I'm okay. Uh-huh. Because Good. in the you're science making the transition I, for me. I wanted to because talk about in, in the science fiction that I read. In the science fiction I read, it's actually in Farmer in the Sky. The boy wants to go to college, and the father says, well, "What do you want to learn?" And he goes, "Go to the library. Get this book. Go teach yourself. Right. If there's something you can't find, I'll send you to college." Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> that was you know, yeah, 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 which yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's the healthiest response, but that that's <laughs> that's it. But certainly, Larry Niven talks about this a lot. Is that what is your what, how has your circumstance formed suppositions about the world from which your logic extends that aren't true? It's merely a local condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the people in the cave don't know that they're in a cave. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, 
the people on the ring world don't know that there are other forms of world, you know, that, that right. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I used to try to break myself of my local condition. Uh -huh. and, and what could I do to break myself of these bedrock uh, root user kernel yeah. Yeah. concepts that were affecting my entire worldview? Mm -hmm. Um, what is a mountain so large in my, and this is an image I used to have in my head, it was like driving down a road, especially a road with flat, and there'd be that blue hazy distance of a blue sky. Mm -hmm. I would try to imagine that that wasn't blue sky, that I'm actually just looking at a mountain that's so large that I can't see its edges. That mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm actually looking at the haze of, of that, that darkness is actually, is actually the darkness of that mountainside. And that I just can't see that my peripheral vision doesn't bring in how broad the base of that mountain is, or mm -hmm. my the Tall top of is. my roof of mm -hmm. my car is, is cutting off the snow cap or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So that's one. And another one would be that I would, I'll give you an example. At lunch, I would hold up a piece of broccoli. I remember doing this in college, holding up a piece of broccoli and then trying to forget which way it should fall when I let go of it. Uh -huh. Because... I have a gravitocentric worldview. Right. Sure. Yes, I grew right. up in a in a gravity well. Sure. So that's down. But of course, down means nothing to for eliminate almost any all assumption. of the universe. Yes. For, for the vast for pretty majority much all of the universe. Of it. Yeah. There's nothing. nothing. Yeah. There's no up or down. So I said, how can I get myself into a root experience of the where universe? I'm literally, where I yeah. literally don't yeah. know what down is. <laughs> and so I would look at it and I could get a this is to unknow something. Yeah. And I taught myself to unknow things, mm -hmm. that I could look at something and I could come to a moment of, um, I'd say mental, but it also felt physical, a mental yeah. suspension. Genuinely yeah. suspending those expectations. Suspending that, but it felt like amazing. a suspension, a little like a little floating feeling. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then when I, and I knew it would work if I let go of it and I was surprised. Oh, <laughs> really? That's great. And, and I would go, ha ha. And I would <laughs> laugh and I'd go, oh shit, I forgot. And then I'd go, oh <laughs> shit, I forgot. And, but the thing is that I, in that trick, you have to forget your intention. You have to have the intention, then you have to stop having the intention or rather, right. and, and when you do that, you can slide under the tripwire of the universe. And then uh -huh. for me, I could perceive things more clearly. I think science fiction helps with this, right? I mean, Paul's a huge sci-fi fan. I'm yeah. a little bit. I know that, Stephen, you're a big science fiction fan. It I, helps I rearrange it the laws of to, physics I think it invites you to see things differently is what it does. To break expectations, sure. to rethink expectations. It doesn't help you do it, but it says it's possible. Yeah. Okay. yeah I, but this is, makes me think about something else I want to talk about, but this makes me think you were you were studying there at school you were studying theater but you discovered at some point improvisation all of which sounds like this is part and parcel of improvisation i mean it's like you you've discovered oh, yeah. something you've They're discovered the thing that is that is that is literalizing this in front of an audience or in front of another performer and you're actually i mean you're not you're actually never not going through any of these thought processes, but you're discovering this place. Better that not be. The, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're finding you're finding the actual theater of that shit happening to you. I mean, that's amazing. My the, reaction it, to improvisation was entirely visceral. The first time I saw sure. it, like, it has like, to be. No, I, I don't mean games, but like not not to knock on games, but scenic improvisation, which is a complex form of game. And I, um. 
I saw it at a small club called Cross Currents underneath the Belmont L in Chicago. Uh-huh. And a friend said, hey, there are people doing, they're improvising one act plays. Do you want to come uh-huh. see? Uh-huh. I hear it's kind of cool. I was a junior. I went down there. I was, I had been in theater school very long and I went down there and I saw it. And I remember the group on stage was called Barons Barracudas. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you guys know who Dave Pasquese is, but yes, Pasquese. I know Dave. I know Dave. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I saw Dave. Amazing. Amazing. Dave was on yeah. stage. Okay, yes. And, and it was Dave and Honor Finnegan and Joel Murray, Bill's younger brother, mm-hmm. and a couple other people whose name escaped me now. Please forgive me if you're listening. And, <laughs> I, and, and I went, I don't know why, but I have to do this. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I have to do this because <laughs> there's a real sense of suspension and trust. Yeah, you're the like, guy with the broccoli falling up. It's like, you know, how could you not <laughs> respond to that? I mean, it's like you're never the dude fell doing- Never though. Unfortunately, you know, never No, fell I know, up. but you're the, guy, you're the guy eliminating the possibility it could. But that's, yeah, so it must have been a completely- That's interesting. And the first time you must have engaged in it must have been an absolutely revelatory thing. I mean, it must have been like, yeah. I mean- I think I think the promise of it was revelatory. I think uh-huh. like a lot of people who start, I was I got in my head and I was in you know I was, I was a nervous performer as anybody else. And oh, you want sure. to it's gotta be hard to get the zone. You want yeah. to succeed, yeah. whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to understand that there isn't a plan and that you cannot you can't dictate other people's actions and yeah. that yeah. thing that you think is going to happen is not as important as what actually is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And that the most important person on stage is the other person and just yes. shut up and listen. Totally. And, yeah. And all all of that. Fantastic. And, but but of. But the thing that really hooked me, and it's 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 kind of an overused. It's it's become a it's it's made its way into popular culture. But in 1984, mm. when I first heard it, nobody talked about this. Is that the yes and mm-hmm. of improvisation uh, yeah. mm-hmm. made complete sense to me? That mm-hmm. I get because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's that's um you know acceptance and addition totally uh, yeah uh, and that requires awareness. You have to see and be seen, hear and be heard, feel and be felt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, all of that made enormous sense to me as somebody studying acting, but also as a human. And it as became a person, a it sounds for me. like yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, it sounds yeah, yeah. like it. It sounds like a natural extension of who you were and where you were going anyway. So it's really kind of cool. That's amazing. I mean, it was. It sounds like it. I mean, I, in some ways, I was trying to maintain my tadpole status yeah. so I wouldn't <laughs> grow into the accepted frog. Yes, the accepted <laughs> frog. There's a there's your memoir title. There, there's a there's a good memoir title. Tadpole status and accepted frog. But uh, we interviewed Amy Sedaris, and she said uh, what it, during the improvisation when people are doing yes and she likes to sometimes just say no, <laughs> and they just like block. I the think whole, that's when you're when you're a Zen master. Yeah. When you get to be Zen master, you can start saying no. no. Oh, I think, that's, yeah. that is that is. That is really up here. Do you know the story? I believe it's in um, Raise High the Roof Theme Carpenters by Salinger. No, where, yes. Uh, a certain Duke uh, Moo uh, um, uh, said to his uh, said to his horse master who was retiring, "Please tell me who could take who could take over for you when you retire." He goes, "Oh, there is a certain Polo in this village. Uh, you should go to him and ask him to find you a superlative horse." And so they send a person to Polo and Polo says, oh, um, yes, there is a perfect horse for the Duke. It is, um, it, is a, it is a dun-colored mare and you will find it in this field. And so they go find this dun-colored mare in this field and Duke Moo goes back to his, like whoever the first, his old horse master was. And he goes, your Polo is a fool. 
He goes, why? He says, because we went to go look for the dumb colored mare and it was a coal black stallion. And the old master said, oh, has he really gotten so far as that? <laughs> is that he perceives what is essential about the horse yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Right. and That's ignores great. what is unessential. Amazing. He is, he is not only my replacement, I am in no way his equal. Amazing. And it, and it turned out it truly was a superlative horse. <laughs> and I love that story. And yeah. after talking with Amy, it's like, yes, of course you can say no. I had a teacher, I remember I took, a, I took this, this rigorous rhetoric course for my freshman year. They had to take rhetoric. And um, a very intense rhetoric course. Rhetoric. And, that's so awesome. The rhetoric. And they yeah, would beat. They like, beat. They beat essay form into us and sure, grammar and everything. Absolutely. And yeah. And uh, and um, so uh, I remember saying to the professor, like, you know, but like George Bernard Shaw and and Hemingway don't obey these rules all the time. And the professor goes, "Are you trying yeah. to argue?" <laughs> That George Bernard yeah. Shaw and Ernest Hemingway don't know these rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said. Ouch. I said, okay. He goes, yeah, thank you, you sir. learn these rules and then you can break them. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. I'm going to talk about science fiction. I'm interested because I know you're a fantasy fan as well. And I'm just interested that you started very... in sci-fi though. I started in sci-fi. You started in sci-fi and you moved to fantasy. That's interesting. And I have Which... read much more sci-fi than I have read fantasy. Oh, oh that's but interesting. But I have drilled okay. deeper in it, some but fantasy this is why worlds. I'm... But I'm interested to know what are the what is what are the what is the specific joy that you get from fantasy that you don't necessarily from sci-fi? Are there different pleasures to be had from the two of them? Or do they give you a different buzz or is it like just an extension of the of the same thing i don't know i don't know what it, like at first you have to first you have to i think say like what is sci-fi right what That's is true. science fiction and what is fantasy like what are those yes. two things what and is the why, difference between them and why when i was a kid were they always ghettoized to the same little wire together rack? yeah together <laughs> yeah, cyber right. fantasy and the wire yes. rack <laughs> yeah, and people right. would say oh, like oh like people would say like oh i love science fiction i read line the witch in the wardrobe yeah, I go like, what are you doing? Like, yes. what are you, yes. what are you doing? Yes. Um, well, I always loved it when people would say, "Well, they're all, it's all speculative fiction," and I'm like, "But isn't all fiction speculative fiction?" I was like, "But that, that's really weird." Because isn't all of it speculative? I mean, Philip Roth isn't he kind of speculating? Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Like, none of it yeah, seems to me. That's that's really funny. Um, in the same, well, that yeah, it's all speculative fiction in the same way that all improvisation is games. Some of the games are just so complex you can't perceive the rules, right? Because mm. yeah. you're writing the rules as you go. Yeah. Um, so, but doesn't science fiction have like it? Metaphysically, it's not as uh, 
presumptuous. It doesn't create like other entities and uh, you know, and like alien uh, races. I think it does. Yeah, it's but that's naturalistic. Races. That's metaphysically within the bounds of Darwinian, you know what I mean, <laughs> nature. Even though when it's in another place. This is talking about I mean, things that just don't exist. Fantasy, yeah, like Gandalf and shit, but, is more. <laughs> but, there's no but, elves. There's and no I'm not, I, And 100%, I'm not upset that you just said Gandalf and shit. <laughs> okay. I, I'm Sorry. perfectly fine with that. I want you to know that everything's Sorry, great. Man. I do have to go. <laughs> I do that's have that's thanks for joining us. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, but that's interesting. Uh, no, but, but, but here's the thing about, like, there are people who break your, I mean, th the new wave science fiction of the 1960s, people like Harlan Ellison. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Or, or Roger Zelazny. Mm -hmm. the, they're writing, like, what do you call... What do you call Jack of Shadows? Is Jack mm -hmm. of Shadows science right. fiction or fantasy? Alien? Right. Yeah. What it, what it, what's happening? Yeah. It's a one science yeah. fantasy. Science it's fantasy. Science, comes, science, yeah, science fantasy. fantasy. Space so romance. Across, and what, stuff. what is Lord of Light? What does that do? Yeah. How does right. that, like, what, what is that? Yeah. And yeah, of course, and don't forget Arthur C. Clarke's Any Sufficiently Advanced Civilization is Indistinguishable from Magic. Magic. So, yeah. what, right, right. That, that also blurs yeah. the line in some yeah, ways. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But so science fiction was just first for me because the, I, I literally, get back to my father and my brothers, that the they die and we go to the funeral and I'm back at the funeral at my brother Ed's house and there's a, he reads a lot of science fiction. All the science fiction I read was my brother Ed and Jim's because they're, 19 and 18 years older than I am. And they left all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. They left all that stuff at home and they went off and had their lives. So I had all awesome. these books and books. Golden age, like 1950s. Because right. they were right. born in like 45 stuff. and 46. And right. so I'm reading 1950s and early 60s awesome. science fiction. Uh, yeah. Just And just those Tons old pulp, pulp oh. fiction. Oh. And you, you, you turn the page and it cracks the off. Yellowed, you together the yellowed. With, yeah, you go to your mom to get good. like hair bands to put around <laughs> yeah, it. And totally. then you fall asleep the and that smell. narcotic... That narcotic oh, effect smell. of that whole paper, unbelievable. That moldy, <laughs> musty smell. God so the, bless it. So I had this terrible headache, and I'm lying on the bed to try to recover in a in a store in a spare room of his. Mm. And there's a book on the shelf, and it's The Long Arm of Gil Hamilton by Larry Niven. Mm. I pi oh, I picked it off the shelf, is. and I read it. I Boom. was gone, baby. Gone. Wow. I was gone. How Say old goodbye. Were you? How old were you? I I I think this was. I literally think it was the weekend my father and my brothers were buried. So, I, I think it was that week. I think I was 10. Uh-huh. Wow. I think I was 10. I might have been a little over. It might have been another trip up there. But it's I'm the not sure whole, when. Yeah. But, but it's, it's that. It's all it's associated the with their death. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love problem solving. Mm-hmm. And a lot of science fiction is about is problem solving. solving. It is. Interesting. It is. You know, Decoding you're, you're, things. And, yeah. and a lot of science fiction is also like kind of related to mystery. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yep. Mystery writing. Yeah, and I also interesting. That's I also like science. Yep, and 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 you know Niven, uh, James Hogan. Uh huh. Uh, James uh, Hogan. James Hogan. You inherit see, I love the stars. Come up with one where his oh, eyes. Oh yeah. God! Inherit you know, the stars. Yeah. Hard, hard sci-fi. Yes, yeah. me too. Hard I loved it too. Well, it made me feel and, uh, smart. It made me feel smart. I'm well, not, not going to yeah, lie about it. It made me feel smart. When I read Asimov, I literally feel like I can think more clearly after yes. reading Asimov. Because yes. his characters are yes. going, let me lay it out for yes. you. Yes, logic yeah. is a huge yes. thing with him. Yeah. yeah. So so I, that was appealing to me. And that was, and my father was a scientist. My mm -hmm. father was an immunologist, and a, you know he oh, was an administrator, but he was really a bench scientist was really what he loved. Oh. And so that was kind of appealing to <laughs> awesome. me. Uh -huh. And then a friend just, gave me the Lord of the Rings when I was 12. Uh -huh. And I 
almost drown in it. I was so, I went <laughs> so deeply. I, 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 can only I literally imagine, yeah. remember being in uh, Two Towers in the chapter, uh, The Auric Eye, where <laughs> Pippin and Sam, Pippin and sure. Mary have been taken. Sure. And I remember, I literally remember like sitting on, being on my mother's couch reading it for the first time and going like this and going, because I realized I hadn't breathed. <laughs> I hadn't breathed in like a minute. And it, but it felt like I was underwater. It felt oh, like yeah, I was in great. this Absolutely. other world. And of course, Absolutely. I was looking for escape. And if science yes. fiction is an escape, fantasy is a further escape. Even more. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah, yeah. more. So I read a lot of fantasy after that. I mean, I read I read a shit ton of science fiction. And as Mr. Giamatti will tell you, some pretty deep cut like stuff that nobody Very reads. Very weird stuff. That's yeah, like, People heard, don't yeah. eat bad. Don't be able to read uh, A.E. Benbow. People don't read uh, Henry Cutner. I do. Paul I still does. read it. Paul I does. still read that I, shit. So do I. But like, <laughs> I know you do. Uh, but like, even even in my day at that age, no one was reading that no, stuff. No, it's yeah. true, actually. Nobody was reading that stuff. Keith that's Lomer. very true. Yeah. Yes. Well, none of that stuff people were reading. That's true. So but I love all that stuff and I kept reading it. I read about a book a day because yeah, I had wow. hundreds and hundreds of them. And that's then I would amazing. use all of my, I would use all of my um, allowance. Sure. Did it help you the, with yeah. with grief? Like, is it in a way, is it kind of part of grief processing? I mean- Helped me not address it. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, well, sure. That. Helped you exactly. just avoid it's it. Like, Absolutely. Does Xanax help you with your anxiety? <laughs> what anxiety? <laughs> That's exactly it. No, absolutely. No, me too. Where's just, that yeah. smoke coming from from my gear case? What smoke? I can't smell anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. And, and and fantasy takes you to an even more. It takes you. It eliminates all the hardware and all but the. But like, I will say this: and fantasy did help me address my grief because ah. Tolkien is all about yes. grief. Yeah, grief. there's when stuff I was in there. thirteen. That's interesting. When I was yeah. thirteen, I read his the biography by Humphrey Carpenter of Tolkien. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tolkien loses his dad mm. when he's a kid oh. and loses his mother when he's thirteen. Wow! And loses everything. Ends up living in an yeah, orphanage yeah. Oh. and. As Tolkien says, like, you know, as Gandalf says, I will not say do not cry for not all tears are an evil, but he also said, really, I'm paraphrasing him, only sad stories can make you happy. Mm -hmm. oh. mm -hmm. That's, that's, mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I'm only mildly paraphrasing him there, mm -hmm. but he mm -hmm. said something like that, like really only sad stories can make you happy. And he also says in, in a particular letter, he wrote to this, a Catholic priest had written him and said, what, um, because, because. There, there's a, this concept within the Tolkien mythos in uh, that um, men and elves are both made by God, by Eru. Mm -hmm. And, and um, no one knows what happens with men. They know that elves go onto the halls of Mandos and that's how they live forever, even if they're killed <laughs> in battle or something. <laughs> but men go to a place that even the Valar know not. They don't know what God's plan is or Eero's plan is for men, but they go to this place and that death is called the gift of Iluvatar, who is also another name for God, the gift of Iluvatar to men, this gift. And so this priest writes Tolkien and said, hey, is that a punishment? Yeah, right. Isn't that yeah. a punishment for sin? Yeah. Why Limbo. is it called a gift? And Tolkien writes back, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, what gifts of, what punishments of God are not gifts? Oh. Mm-hmm. Right. So that so helps. He, he, yeah. You like, feel that oh, personally. Yes, yeah. that's perfect. You Absolutely. feel that personally. Now, I didn't, yeah. I didn't read any of that shit <laughs> at the time until I was in my 30s and 40s. Like, I didn't, yeah. go, I didn't get that deep until like reading his letters and everything until later. Yeah. But, yeah. but, that's, but that's, that's, that idea is combed into the fabric. Yeah. There's nothing mm -hmm. religious, getting back to our Catholicity. Um, 
there's nothing in, he purposefully put nothing in the Lord of the Rings that was religious. There, no one worships anybody. There's no religion yeah. at all. Yeah. Interesting. Because yeah. he, he didn't purposely but, want anything like that. What he talked about was he didn't like, he didn't like um, a- allegory. He didn't like things to be decoded. Mm-hmm. He thought that his work had no allegorical significance, uh-huh. but that he could perceive that for some people it had applicability. Uh-huh. And, and, and the, the fact that there is great beauty that also comes with grief uh-huh. and that grief itself, there's a character called Niena who is one of the Valar, which is like the angels. And Niena is the only character that's not like a Greek god. She does have uh-huh. a counterpart. And what she does is she weeps forever. Oh. And she turns grief into, into wisdom. Uh-huh. That's what she does. And that is all through Tolkien. I would yeah. say too, what's interesting in fantasy, and it's just occurring to me now, is that the essential like trope of fantasy is the quest. Is the is the effort to find what is lost, to find to to return something, to return yes. to something. So it's like essentially, it's always a quest to find generally something's lost that will redeem things, that will yes. change things. So that I mean, not that science fiction can't have that in it too, but it seems like that's what is, the basic what is idea, right? Is Star Wars that, science fiction or fantasy? Yeah, that's religion too. It, right. That's the same thing that religion to me. My view yeah. is that stories and religion are doing the same thing. They're like flight simulators to help you deal with the actual world. I can understand grief better. I can understand myself. I can understand others better. I feel like it's all a piece of the same imagination. That's my view. A quest. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you one more story, then I got to go. Oh, please, okay. If you're okay with this. Yeah, please Please. Do. You've it's been a, very it's a Leland Roloff story. It's a Leland <laughs> okay. Roloff story. Oh, good. All right, let's close with Leland Roloff. So there's an old building in Northwestern. It's one of the older buildings. It's called Fisk Hall. Uh-huh. And Fisk Hall, um, I think a lot of the Medill journalism classes are taught there too. And it has these old marble staircases with cast iron railings and a very building. worn wooden rail tops, you mm-hmm. know, handholds. And it, it switchbacks. You know, it, go, it starts in the middle. You can go one side or the other. It goes to a landing and it switches back to a common landing at the top. And then you go into the top hallway if your class is on the second floor. And all my classes always were for reasons I don't understand. And um, between the two, between the top floor and the bottom floor, that landing that you turned on had huge Palladian windows with very deep and high windowsills. Mm-hmm. And I had classes in the morning and in the afternoon. I had, I had a 9 a.m. and an 11 in that building. And so between classes, I would just go halfway down the steps and hop up onto that windowsill, which was, you know, probably four feet deep and six feet wide. And mm-hmm. I would sit up there and I would study for my next class. Lee Roloff came down one night, one, one day, and he saw me and he said, how perfect. <laughs> you aren't down there and you uh, aren't up there. Uh, uh. <laughs> you need your iron haunts. Okay, so okay. Iron Hans, anyone? Iron, the Iron John. Man, it's a, it's Iron a, it's John, a, same thing. It's a Grimm thing. It's a Grimm, oh, yes. it's a, it's it's a a Grimm, Grimm thing. Story. It's yeah. the wild man that you yes. must make. Oh. You must learn, follow, make peace with, and then leave yes. to become the king. Right. So you must find your Iron Hans first. It's like the green, the green knight and all that stuff. It, very it, much so. You have to go stuff. out into yeah. the forest to yeah. find him. The boy yeah. finds him, and then he, yeah. then he gets the girl with the golden hair. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> but so, okay, okay. The wild man, you know, the Enkidu yeah. to Gilgamesh. Yes. You uh-huh. know, the, exactly. The, okay. And so, but one day I didn't actually go onto that platform. It was later in the year. I had the morning class and the morning class was that day, for whatever reason, in the same classroom as Leela Roloff's ten, uh, 11 o'clock class. <laughs> so I just, I stayed and I took that, I did my morning class, which I think was uh, Frank Galati. I don't know if you know oh, Frank Galati. Oh, sure, absolutely. Great I believe director. we were studying The Dead by Frank Galati. We're, study, we're studying Joyce, but with Frank Galati. With Frank Galati. Wow, that's with amazing. With Frank, amazing. A great director. Yeah, wonderful. Just lost him this year. Yep, and yep. Um, and then it was an hour break and then I had a class in the same classroom. So I went, I'll just stay here. So I just mm. sat there and, and read and got ready for my next class. Mm-hmm. Everybody piles in at 11 o'clock. So I've, I haven't been out in the world for the last two hours. Mm-hmm. Everybody piles into the class and everybody's perfectly quiet, but it's, you know, whatever. Leela Roloff comes in, closes the door, puts his books, book down. And he said, as we study the Homeric hymn, let us <laughs> consider sure. the figure of the hero in light of the space shuttle's explosion. Holy wow. shit. And I said, I got up halfway out of my seat. Yeah. And I yelled, what? <laughs> oh my God. Because <laughs> I'm the only one who doesn't know in the class. Ah, ah. No smartphones. Amazing. And he turns to me and says, terrible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then he lectures about wow. what does it mean to be a hero? And mm-hmm. what, why do we look mm-hmm. to heroes? And who am I thinking of? Orly, my astronaut. Oh, of course. Was he on it? No. Oh, God. And he never flew. Oh, my God. He oh, didn't really? fly. Because they suspended the program oh, for the next God. four years. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Cow. So I don't know where it came to him, but if he's listening to this, Hi, it was lovely talking to you <laughs> in 1984. I bet, yes, that's amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. That's a good place for us that's to, to maybe- That's a fantastic place. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming Holy on the Chinwag. Holy cow, amazing. Yeah. I so enjoyed this. Anytime, gentlemen. I hope gentlemen. so. I hope oh, so. Please, we we'll would love to have, love you, to back. have you back because a there's still pleasure. a lot more to talk we about. We barely talked. <laughs> we barely talked. It's true. Thank, thank you for no. letting me monologue. Please, please. It's the whole point. Thank you so much, sir. A pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Maestro sir. What Giamatti, a pleasure. As always. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye, guys. Oh, my stars, Steve. My stars and stripes, we have some exciting news. Shall we tell them? We should reveal that Chinwag is hitting the road again and going on a West Coast tour. Yes, that's right. If you missed us in your fair city, truly, friends, don't fret, don't fear, don't have a panic attack. (laughs) Do not panic. We will be recording live Chinwags in May in Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle. Yes, in L.A. we'll be at Dynasty Typewriter, on May 14th, you can go to chinwagpod.fm slash Los Angeles for tickets. And on May 16th, we're going to be in Portland at Revolution Hall. For those tickets, go to chinwag.fm slash Portland. And we'll be at Town Hall, the great town hall in Seattle on May 17th. For tickets to that, go to chinwagpod.fm slash Seattle. 
You do not want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be mighty, mighty. So get your tickets at chinwagpod.fm and we will see you there. Come on out, waggers. Come out, waggers. Come out. (laughs) Come out of hiding. Chinwag is a production of Treefort Media and Touchy Feely Films. Hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Treefort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Our associate producer is Andrew Miller. Original theme music by Luke Topp with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Treefort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Audio production, supervision, and editing by Maxwell Carney. Additional audio assistance and mixing by Jeff Neal. With additional production management from Renee Levesque. Clara Wong is Celestial Empress of Benevolent Knowledge. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod.